Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Lollipop, lollipop, It is time for Must Have CTV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. And I'm your TV guy, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. This is part, oh my God, 20 of the quarantine era, which is the new normal. And that means that I'm just talking with a person. We're not going to be dropping in clips from the episode. There's not going to be theme music. I apologize if you came here expecting to hear the Cheers theme. You're not going to, but we'll probably sing it at some point. But this week, I am joined once again by fellow Cheers uh, expert and uh, horn dog, Ted Danson horn Horn dog dog for Ted Danson, (laughs) Angela Demanti. Hello, Angela. Hello, Brett. I'm so glad to be here, by which I mean stuck in my apartment, as I have been for the last five months. Zoom, zoom, zoom. (laughs) Yeah, so how is your... How's your quarantine going? Jesus Christ. Uh, so the first couple months were <laughs> just awful. awful. Also, like, hey, we can we say can, like, first, like, say, like, the first couple months. It, does, the next it couple feels, months. I am nostalgic for early pandemic. Like, I am you, nostalgic for March and April. Like, remember when we we're all not exhausted by Zoom calls and watching Tiger King. Oh, no. And it was like we were all doing Insta lives and people were just like fully wilding out and going nuts. And it was it was like a, a fun. Um, and then uh, everything just kept getting worse because the government kept not doing anything. And if yeah. people do not vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, don't listen to the podcast. Fuck right off because we got to get out of this. I don't care. Yeah, I'm I don't care my God you like much. cheers turn this episode <laughs> off and make really, sure you are registered like, to vote this yeah. is important register to vote <laughs> and then come back just, yeah, otherwise you don't deserve to listen to this no um just because it's a nightmare and we have to get out of the nightmare anyway we can't but we are we are pacifying ourselves in the nightmare we're going to switch gears of being uh, positive now uh wait what have you so have you been watching fun shit in quarantine <laughs> Uh, so I been like I think my favorite binges were Detroiters ah. uh, with Tim Robinson on Comedy Central and What We Do in the Shadows. Oh God, I love What We Do in the Shadows. I was so much. underwhelmed by the film. I kept hearing buzz. Mm. My roommate was also underwhelmed by the film. I've still not seen the movie. You don't. That's you don't so have cool. to. No, I mean I love the show. So like the sh- like Matt Berry. Mwah. I I'm. I'm f- 
I am flirting with the idea of being Laszlo for Halloween. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, just because I think it would require... I'm I'm averse to any Halloween costumes that require a wig. My hair could get too bad. I mean, it could get by that October. Length, yeah. Are you going to be Lazo? Are you going to be Lazo as a Jackie regular Daytona. human bartender? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that uh, Jackie Daytona is an easier costume, but I also, let's be honest, am looking for any excuse to buy a cloak. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, all you need is a toothpick. A toothpick. <laughs> well, who are you? You're a regular <laughs> human bartender. It's so good. Um, um, but so that's been great escapism. And at the beginning, I thought, oh, Mad Men would be too dark to revisit. But I actually have found watching it pretty comforting because there's oh, yeah. so many tumultuous historical events and people still have to do the laundry and go to work. Yeah. And it's like, oh, all these horrible things are happening and you get to go to work you still have to go to work and watch the moon landing and riots and yeah, yeah. uh that's why yeah. I've, I've not been watching anything mostly everything i've been watching is older than 1990 because i can't i can't suspend my disbelief like watching new shows is very hard because i'm just like like i watched that american pickle movie the seth rogan um movie where it's on hbo max and it is okay. set in like modern day brooklyn and it's just like most people aren't wearing masks and also they're all outdoors so my suspension of disbelief is just broken John. <laughs> like, so like Did watching watch i dream of genie palm springs which is a f- yeah okay i i was like this is very relevant to like feeling oh, yeah. like i was and i i enjoyed Perfect. it i love um, yeah i love it i also just like wish i was in palm springs right now that's all i, I just i'm so oh i just want to be do you go through the like? Why do I even live in New York now? Oh no! I, yeah, I did. Yeah, well, I mean, our our lease went up, and we were like, my husband was like, "Should we just go to St. Louis?" And I don't know. I we renewed, but it's also like I'm trying to justify it with like we're paying exorbitant New York rent, not for the culture and proximity and et cetera that we normally enjoy we're paying that exorbitant rent for um the city's response to coronavirus which has been compared to the rest of the country uh, i mean a thumb up uh, maybe two thumbs up i don't know friend who's a nurse in la told me she's like new york went from worst to first and <laughs> i have said that too many times now but i'm like you know what yeah 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 it's it's like i so we're paying the rent we have just so that in the event that i do need to go you know get a haircut or go pick up my stuff from my office which is now like we're not in office anymore uh i feel still anxious and not safe but safer than i would in tennessee or on a bunch of flat out morons that are not wearing masks um yeah so that's great. Um, but, you know, as awful as this week is, uh, this week we are actually going to be traveling in the past. We're not going to be here. We're going to get away. We're going to go to January 21st, 1991, when here, Home Alone please. ruled the box office. The first time by Surface topped the charts, which is a song I had never heard before. It's a smooth R&B jam. And NBC aired the Cheers episode, The Days of Wine and Neuroses. Angela, you must have seen The Days of Wine and Neuroses before today. Oh, I have. Uh, <laughs> in my multiple rewatchings of the entire series of Cheers, I watched it. But then also, it was great rewatching just that episode a few times in preparation. And, you know, I always 
I am a Diane years type of girl. Yeah. This but, is my first Rebecca episode on the podcast. Yeah. And and this episode is what won her an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, like, I, I do, I get a little um, black and white with like, like, oh, well, Diane years are better. And it was great revisiting and thinking, wow, like this episode in particular really let every character have a moment to shine. Yeah. So I, so yeah, we're, let, to talk about in the macro sense of Diane v. Rebecca, I will say, first of all, it is remarkable that Cheers is as perfect as it is from beginning to end, that it never, the show changes from yes. a different kind of brilliant show to another different kind of brilliant show. And I want to say, if you want to like boil it down to one word to describe each one, I would say it goes from witty to wacky yeah and that is what also so friends went through kind of that exact same metamorphosis but i i you know will maybe controversially always say that it went from a brilliant type of wiki witty wiki witty to a lazier kind of wacky um the characters were not playing at the top of their intelligence whereas latter yeah when cheers goes wacky it is still smart Yes. It becomes uh, a high farce of uh, good performances and sharp writing with really good yes. jokes. And at the and beginning... Think, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. At the beginning of season six, it feels like half the writing staff left, right? And then mm, like yeah. we're, we're ushered in and it felt like, especially Sam felt like a caricature of Sam in the beginning. And I was like, oh, you're still figuring this out. Uh, yeah. and, and that's... But, then they did figure it out and that but then they were able to have far more playful moments and this is not the first episode where cliff and norm have broken out into song i know <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it, so i i still love i think the best part about the rebecca half of cheers which is more than the diane it's a full season more it's yes. five and six split um i do think that what is better about that is by the end of Diane's run, the show was so Sam and Diane to the detriment of Diane's character. And where like she people got, hated her because she goes a lot fully of it, nuts. Yeah, and like I understand that. And then and then it was it turned into more of an ensemble comedy. I think. Yeah, the latter half is like there is no because they like. And we'll talk about this more in the episode talk, but like they 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 could not replicate Sam and Diane with Sam and Rebecca. Like And they tried. And they tried and, and it doesn't work. And no. they wisely did not keep trying to, you know, jam that square peg into a round hole or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, they they just made it an ensemble show and fan like yeah, it's great. Um so this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the Cheers episode, The Days of Wine and Neuroses. It is the 15th episode of season nine. It was written by Brian Pollock and Mert Rich and directed by James Burroughs, of course. Here is how Hulu describes the episode. Rebecca reveals her true feelings about Sam when Robin proposes. Angela, how accurate is that description? It's not. <laughs> At all. She gets wasted and, I mean, like, we're, we're rushing through to that last scene. Which yeah, is the it, last, also, the last scene is eight minutes long out of 24-minute episode. Granted, like, the last 45 seconds are credits, but she doesn't reveal feet. Like, and the thing is, 
I watched it. I read the Hulu description and then I rewatched it. I'm like, did I miss something? And I think it's the next episode when she's it's the wedding day. And that's when she reveals. Oh, I want. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if maybe the same. I don't know. I was going to say maybe the same description as with both episodes. Like they wrote it like a two parter, but who knows? It was, no, it wasn't like built as a two parter. She just revealed like yeah. that she was having second thoughts about Robin. Yeah, it's like Rebecca Rebecca reveals her true feelings about Robin to Sam after Robin proposes is the copy edit on that description. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe uh, we so, should get the copy editor on this episode to yeah, weigh in get, on like who what are you? he or she or they were thinking. CBS um, intern or whoever, Paramount intern, whoever it is. Uh, so the episode opens with what I, because I did not remember this episode uh, in detail, and so I thought it was just a bit up top. I didn't realize they were introducing the B-plot, like, right oh, away in the cold open, where, like, the jukebox is broken, and Cliff goes over and kicks it, and it doesn't, yeah, and it doesn't work. <laughs> and it's, like, it's just like a classic, like, you know if he's going over to the jukebox, you know it's going to end in failure. Yeah. And then and it's like a very quick cold open yeah and like it, it's funny but not like a solid like beginning middle end joke but then you realize it's because it, they were introducing the b-plot yeah and so like then the episode proper begins after the opening credits which are iconic and no one should ever skip when they watch on netflix or hulu ever. or that's not on netflix anymore so hulu or peacock or cbs all access and if and if that um prompt comes up if you want to skip the intro you should write a letter to your streaming provider saying what the fuck (laughs) yeah no thank you so then we actually find out the jukebox thing is the b-plot it is a major part of this thing um so like they're all upset that the jukebox i find this really funny that this is the episode we're talking about because they're like you frazier keeps being like why are you guys upset you don't use the jukebox this is fully ridiculous you guys are crazy but the last episode that we talked about was fairy tales can't come true right and Which they featured the, the jukebox like maybe the major only part. other episode that they actually use the jukebox story. well there's that and there's also the um the the halloween episode where they just make it the vampires were doing the twist like <laughs> where he makes it that that weird <laughs> song that just keeps playing every single time they like put in a quarter or whatever. Um, so I thought that was funny that like Frazier's screaming about the jukebox. And I'm like, man, if we only watched these two episodes, we'd be like, Frazier's gaslighting. Them. <laughs> like they, they use <laughs> yeah. the jukebox. Frazier is gaslighting us about the jukebox. <laughs> I did love that. Um, Sam was like, well, no, but like, it's the perfect height to like lean on and hit on someone from. I was like, very, and I loved when like the random, like under five woman, woman just like, was like, Hey, he's like, I'm just demonstrating. I was like, yeah, was, yeah like yeah. I, I understand under five lady. Like I would, I yes. would do that too. Even though his hair is not the best in this season. Yeah, this is, um, I will point out that my eye for details might be um, not as good in this episode because I did watch this episode on my 1986 Zenith television. Oh! <laughs> so, um, so, so uh, I, I will have the kind of observations that people from 1991 will have of couldn't really uh, make out what his hair looked like. <laughs> I just know it was that weird short. Yeah, like, like, like his style's better where he's not wearing those embarrassing sweaters yeah woody got the sweaters in this episode uh, yeah but uh his hair is just a little too short but there's that like wonderful moment one of my my favorite sam malone 
<laughs> moments where he puts his foot up on something mm. behind the bar to lean and listen, yeah. and he's wearing boat shoes. Oh, I should see. I wish I noticed that. He like ah, so there's still shoes. like he's not wearing the awful sweaters, but he's still wearing boat shoes and. God. Women still want him. Love, love. So then, so this is a weird part about this episode is that the, the delivery people are the, the people are reclaiming the jukebox oh. and taking it away. And they're like, what can we replace? Like, do they run a service where they pick up things, but then also drop things off? Because like, that, that is- <laughs> I have never heard of such a service. They're like, we're going to take your jukebox for a week. What do you oh, want? We got, like, a, we got a cigarette machine. We got a, but you know what? It's funny. So I'm not going to, but they're like, we have a karaoke machine and no one knows what a karaoke machine is, which I, is. I didn't research like how, like what? That blew yeah. me away that they needed Cliff to explain it. Of course, Cliff knows. But also with that explanation. So in the in the opening, watching it, I remember thinking, "Wow," because like the guy picking up the jukebox is Asian, and I thought, "Wow, I never see Asians on Cheers." And then of course. In his explanation yeah, of karaoke, yeah, racist joke. He, he says it's of oriental descent. What's well, like a music machine, kind of like you, my friend, or something like, yeah. Yeah, but the, then yeah, and it's, uh, Frazier does a full face palm resting <laughs> his head Good. in his hands. And I was like, that that that's why this holds up because of that reaction fraser <laughs> understands that this is a not good um so yeah it, it is a weird reminder of how karaoke went from being honestly like karaoke has gone from being this first of all an unknown thing to being a niche nerdy thing mm-hmm. that no one wants to do i even remember like when lost in translation came out and that's like what 2005 and there was yeah. like all those scenes in Japan of doing karaoke, and it was like even in two thousand five, that seemed like I knew what karaoke was, but it seemed like exotic and like that's a weird treat. Like who does that, you know? And I, maybe it's because we live in New York and karaoke is I don't know everywhere. Um, <laughs> like that, it just it's such a normal, fun, cool, good thing, good good time, good quite fun. a good time. Uh, I the last time I karaokeed um, was. Uh, the, like the week before we left our office, we had a big office karaoke thing, and we had been uh told about karaoke. So we brought we brought a whole bunch of um sanitary wipes, and we like bought, and so we were like wiping down the microphone <laughs> and stuff while we were still performing, and that was I the uh, last time. Almost I saw people. went to do uh <sighs> live karaoke at Sid Gold's. The like last night I went out, but I, I ended up <laughs> not. But yeah, I was like, oh, like. And now I think, Dreams. like, when am I going to do karaoke again? No, yeah. Yeah. I did. I have done it on my Instagram live back in the uh, glory days of March and April. Oh, like when, like, we thought this, we're going to keep the fun up. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, when everything is fine. Um, so, so they introduced the karaoke machine, but then this is when Rebecca comes in to introduce the A-plot, which she has gotten a card. Well, the card did not have a limerick on it, right? She comes out to say, like, my... What is what was the connection between yeah, the limerick? Yeah, she said there was a limerick, and the limerick never like they. It's not Chekhov's I gun; it's it. the opposite. Like we never <laughs> hear it. Yeah, so it's like Robin wrote her letter, like she's get he's getting out of prison, and Robin Colcourt, who's played by Roger Rees, another <laughs> uh, um, the legendary sitcom gay. 
sitcom gay that we, we respect. Yeah, um, big time. Lim- he's like also Limerick, and I like that everyone is like, yeah, tell us about the Limerick. And she's like, he he's getting out of jail. And they're like, and then Woody's like, Rebecca, I just want you to know that I'm I'm also interested in uh, what Robin had to say. It's 50-50. Like, yes. But then as soon as she leaves, she's like, I'm glad that he, I'm glad she bought that thing about me being interested about Robin. <laughs> like, they're all just interested in the limerick, which, interested in the lim- limerick, which we never hear. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. Uh, we're fine with that. You know what? Uh, so then we get, they hook up the karaoke machine, and the first, I do like, Frazier goes over and he's like, oh, they have all these, like, they have all these great standards, standards some stand, blah, 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 blah. And then you just hear, lollipop, lollipop, because <laughs> Cliff is like, you see them come together, and you know they're going to be ridiculous, and as I could see them getting ready to sing, my whole body just relaxed. I know. Because it felt I, so on brand and in a, in a sense predictable. And what is predictable in everyday life now? But nothing. like. Except for this. Yeah. It felt like I felt a wave of calm over me, like a full on tactile, visceral reaction to Cheers watching this episode yes. that I haven't felt in, of just like. Uh, like, and so like when they started singing lollipop and i was just like i also i love an episode where it is cliff and norm are unapologetic best buds and there is no norm trying to like distance himself from being like where he's like no my- i i'm in it i am in yeah. this friendship and yeah, just we all know that. how people feel about cliff but i i love him and yeah. i'm gonna let him do the wait yeah I can't. <laughs> and, I, and then I like that when Fraser like is like, "This is so stupid." And also, by the way, this is how you pop. And he like, yeah. I can't. I can't do literally any of it. But he does it perfectly. Or it was ADR. I don't know. Uh, and then, so then this is when the a delivery guy comes up, and a delivery guy enters Cheers. First of all, Cheers is bustling today with all sorts of deliveries yeah. and pickups. And this guy, <laughs> he fucking nailed those guy. two lines. Like, love this guy. Like he comes in. Like, make me want to IMDb and like find him. Ooh, and go? I'm sure he would never got big. I'm like, can I find him on Facebook just to like send him oh, a probably. message? And be like, but it'll go to the unread portion and you'll never see it. Ugh. Ugh. If you are an actor over the age of 60, please check your message request because I might be trying to get in touch with you. Bill Moomy. Um, it's fine. Uh, so he comes in to deliver a rose to Rebecca and she like tips him and he, what is he? His line is something like, so he gives a quarter. Yeah. And he's like, Oh wow. And it's, um, this can pay for my grandmother's operation or something. something It's just a hilarious, stupid, specific. And so like, I guess we can talk about this larger note I have about this episode, and maybe this era of Cheers, is this episode is filled with so many hard jokes, like so many like setup punchline Punch. jokes you don't see coming. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get to my favorite one in a bit, but like, so that'll be a running part of the discussion because okay. uh, it's it's so fun. It's so it just makes the um it just makes it feel like livelier and zippier in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's also the kind of writing that sitcoms try to do now, but do not do well somehow. Yeah, and like they were firing on all cylinders in season nine. Yeah, this is season nine. <laughs> this like, is nineteen ninety one. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And all the quips, they're all very but um ching, but then every character 
has their own badum ching. Like, yeah, Lilith's is her own thing. Fraser's is his own thing. Woody, but like, that's they, it. They just nail it. So, like, watching modern day like Netflix multicam sitcoms. They don't have their own thing. All of the characters have the exact same style of funny. None of them have their own voices. They all have the same level of like intelligence, pop culture awareness, delivery rhythm. It's all the it's all the same. Like, even like the like the rhythms are different. Like with Woody, you know, it's gonna be kind of like, huh, what? Um, but- and then uh, oh, here's a way you didn't expect um, blah, 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 me to be yeah. dumb. Yeah. And then like. Lilith is very like monotone, very flat, and, and skating. And then yeah. Cliff is like, oh, well, like that's his rhythm. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's really, it, it makes it feel, it makes it feel more natural, even though it is a very wacky writing. That makes it feel natural. That's why the show is fucking genius. But anyway, the Rose has a proposal from Robin. Rebecca has gotten the thing she's been wanting. The the thing that her entire character is built around, which is why I don't like Rebecca as much. Let's it's unpack like she's that like, a bit. I want to marry someone rich. Yeah, like that. It it, it is. Uh, it's it is a it's almost as far from Diane as you can get. Which hey, you know, intentional. That's a smart Inten- move. Yeah. But I mean, this one explores like, oh, uh, have I even thought about? what's behind my desires. Yep, which is good, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I think it even, like, I mean, she's a neurotic mess, but it Mm. makes her a little more likable because she's questioning, like, the main essential element that is her character. Which is defining herself by an asshole. (laughs) He's not a good good person. Uh, I did like that... Oh, you popped... you're, You're a rose... Oh. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Um, my mother was calling me, and then it went to the iPad. So okay. Nice. Anyways. Oh, I hate it when that happens. That that always happens. I hate so it when my mother then, calls me. Uh, so then we get to the next scene, and Lilith has thrown uh, Rebecca an engagement party because Rebecca did the same for her, and Rebecca's In like a hilarious uh, episode. Uh, to all the girls I loved before. Mm, yeah so like it's funny that she's so this becomes a whole thing of yeah well you know i planned that last minute so like thank you so much for putting actual effort into this and it's uh, and it's really funny that rebecca said that she planned lilith's lilith's engagement party last minute because everyone's in the same clothes as that opening scene so this engagement (laughs) party is happening last minute on the same day but i guess lilith's last minute is you know way more with it She's got yeah. connections. Yeah. <laughs> this is where so Cliff has the funny little aside about Mylar balloons being like This is another <laughs> this is an example of those weird asides that make no, they're not a part of the episode, but it's just like he's talking to Paul and he's like, Yeah, Mylar balloons that get caught up in the lines and you know, cause, you know, explosions or whatever. And then Norm just grabs someone's like, let's go. <laughs> it's yeah. like well, I wrote at this point so that, many jokes. There are just so many jokes. And that only works because these characters are so lived in. Where like yeah. we don't need an explanation because we know who those people saying those ridiculous lines are. <laughs> this is when Fraser, I think Fraser interrupts him to give his toast. And this is my uh like favorite 
maybe my favorite moment in the episode, I don't know, is, so, like, he gives a speech, Rebecca thinks it's about her, and then he ends it with, to Lilith, yeah. and he has to, then he just says, as an aside to, like, Sam or someone, he's like, well, I had to do that, or else I would be in trouble. And what is funny is they end up reverse justifying it, so, like, they tell you that that is the punchline, sort of, I don't know, it is not a running character game with Lilith that she always needs to be mentioned in speeches. No, but like, so, I think when um, Rebecca goes to her, it's like, oh, and then like, th- that's where it sets up the stakes where she, it actually is meaningful to Lilith when you never would think it would be. And yeah. it's basically just a game just for this episode and it never comes up with her character again. Yeah. But like, Frasier makes that and it seems like a weird throwaway joke, but then a second later when like, Rebecca starts making a speech... Yeah. And and then she like thinks someone doesn't think her and then Lilith's like, hmm. And then like I forgot someone thinks someone again. Uh and doesn't think Lilith like thinks herself. And then Lilith is like, Fraser, get your coat. Like yeah. <laughs> and then, and or then she's finally, like that strike two and then Yeah, that strike two, and that was so funny. And then she's like, now Fraser, get your coat. And then she finally thinks Lilith, and then she's like, Fraser, why are you leaving? Why yeah. would we ever leave this party? And that is that made me like laugh out loud. And it is neither here nor there. That has literally nothing to do with the A or B plot. It is not even a C plot. It is just a hilarious, funny bit of business that the episode has an eight minute scene at the end that is like heartfelt and like rich. And they also still has that moment in it. Like they still find time for that. <laughs> yeah. And then they have time for Carla being Carla. <laughs> yeah. I like- so the the helium karaoke happens <laughs> yeah where they start singing lollipop i'm more like they didn't want to spend uh, money rights for more than just one song they're like lollipop well no they have a couple of those fraser but like fraser there's standards and uh, and then yeah. also like you realize because a lot of like songs you know got they did like cheaper ones for streaming but right. you see people singing it's like oh you have to pay for the rights let's make sure they're like old old songs <laughs> So they start singing Lollipop on Helium, and then Fraser grabs it, and then Fraser starts singing, and then, like, Fraser is into it. Also, and then Rebecca- this was when karaoke machines, you didn't have the lyrics. Oh, I didn't even read Yeah, there's no screen. Yeah, the, they're just they're counting just, on you. Like, oh, you just know all these songs by heart? Like, okay. What karaoke song, because I have mine, like, what could you do without a screen just to impress everyone else in the room? Mac the Knife. Okay. Which I think is also a song that Frasier might have picked that's an old standard, like, old. (laughs) But, like, that's a a story song, Mm -hmm. and, and I've listened to it a million times, and it's not common enough where it can get a room full of strangers going, cause, yeah. yeah. Although mine one, is, yeah. Mine is, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine, but R.E.M. I mean, Boom. it's very appropriate now. Uh, yeah. But do I you feel, feel I, fine? Do you? I don't feel fine. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so then this is when uh, Rebecca's, is she trying to make a toast? She just keeps saying, this is great Champlain. And she yes. just keeps saying, oh, sorry, I messed that up. This is great Champlain. This is great Champlain. And it's at this point in my note that I wrote, like, Kirstie Alley is good. Like... Kirstie Alley is a is a complicated public figure <laughs> in yes. terms of Scientology reasons. Oh, I was going to say that, yes. <laughs> um, but she played, like, there's so many wrong or bad ways to play drunk. And she yeah. plays it well. 
She also somehow in her character is pathetic, but never annoying. Like she, it there's a there's a fine balance that she strikes with Rebecca, where even though a lot of the time she's being humiliated, degraded, can't stick up for herself, just throws herself into like into like whatever man she's trying to get with. There is still an innate humanity. Like, there's still, like, a resolve. I don't, like, she does it in a way that is not, like, uh, bad for humankind. Like, you, you watch it and you don't hate her for it. Yeah. Like, you can kind of, I, I think that, like, yeah, the humanity and, like, there's, like, this, sure, she can be really superficial, but there is this pathetic element where you realize she's a woman who's kind of relied on outside sources for validation. And like, mm. and, and she's kind of coming to an age where she's like realizing this has not been working. And, and I think also like, especially this episode, like she admits like her way of doing things isn't helpful to her, like yeah. her life. And like there's there's something about like someone who knows they're stuck in the same set of patterns but can acknowledge it and it and it's like the person who's like an addict but they want help versus the person who's an addict who doesn't want help. Yeah. She's like, a hard character. She's a hard character to play and you have to give it up to Christy Ellie for playing her and like making it work because And I would say with Diane was a really tricky character to play mm-hmm. and like they were giving these women like really tough challenges but but they also wanted to give them something dynamic but like i don't I even also, know how it read when it first aired versus yeah. now with like the feminist movement because like i think that diane is a character that I think in the 80s, when you watch it in the 80s, I think you're not supposed to like her. And I think that you're like season one, two, Diane. I think you're supposed to be like, she's a killjoy. She's not funny. She's blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I think her character has aged remarkably well. Oh, especially in an episode like The Boys in the Bar. Like, Diane is in 1984 standing up for gay rights in a way that 100% reads like 2020. Yeah. Like, it. And the fact that it's, you know, 30 something, 35 years old is makes it so much more ahead of its time. Whereas I feel like in the early 80s when that aired, people have been like, come on, Diane. Well, I just, feel like, like that would just on, be another fuck? reason during that time to hate her. Like, yeah. Really? You're going to harp on this little issue? Yeah. And so Why she's aged making- really well. Yeah. And I, but then like on the reverse side, I don't like, I wonder if Rebecca came on and because Rebecca was, she's introduced as like, um, 80s business. She works for the corporation. She's like, shoulder pads. Shoulder pads. I was going to say, yeah. So like, I'm wondering if at the time people were like, finally, Rebecca's like a real take charge. Like, you know, she's not like a snooty brain. She's like, I wonder, I don't know how people viewed her at the time. Like, I'm wondering if there has been like a reversal in how, Diana and Rebecca have been viewed over the course of 30, 30 years, but then they also have good and bad sides because Diane, her whole, I want to marry, I want to marry and not marry Sam thing in season five is some next level bananas. five times. 
to the point where she almost like made a judge, like she filed charges against him and like made yeah. a judge demand. Like that's why pushed that's- him off a or no no he, she jumped <laughs> off the boat. But like that what? Yeah, so like there it goes yeah, so like, jumping you know, off boats in that relationship. It wasn't healthy. Good and bad. Good and bad all around. Um so then we get the act break and then we come back and now like a couple days of like two days have passed. Um, because Frazier is now wearing a cardigan that has a bear on it. What okay. was that? And it looks like the Disney animated like prototype for Baloo yeah. and, and um, uh, Little John, Little John, and um, and also Baloo from Tailspin. Let's just yeah, let's acknowledge both Baloos. Yes, and then <laughs> different there's, and then there's, different. And then there, there's a quote over his right breast. And I and his arm is covering it because he's so into singing. But I just know it ends with Amazon. What and, a weird! I paused it. I'm like, what is this quote that I think this bear is singing? Um, it was oh. truly bizarre. But but that's like, his crooning outfit. That's the outfit that he's just, like. This is what I wear when I perform. <laughs> also, Kelsey Grammer has a lovely singing voice. Good. Which makes total. I mean, has he's done Broadway musicals, right? Hasn't he? So he was in uh, the revival of La Caja Fall. Mm, oh, and he played George in that. And I remember seeing with a friend at an intermission. He said, "Like, I love Kelsey Grammer playing Bob Hope because all of his cadence was like very Bob Hopeish, which is very weird." <laughs> but I mentioned this on like. Our first podcast we ever did together, uh, Don't Mind If I Don't, when we talked about Cheers, where he was in um, the original production of Sunday in the Park with George off-Broadway. And I guess Kelsey Grammer and Mandy Patinkin also were classmates at Juilliard. Juilliard. And then they were doing this show together, but Mandy Patinkin was like, had a lunch with one of the producers and they were looking for this role and then Mandy Patinkin passed Kelsey Grammer's name on. So that's why Kelsey Grammer has his career because of Mandy Patinkin. Thank you, Mandy Pants. Thanks, Mandy Pants. <laughs> uh, you, did, you did good. But he, yeah, so he he's done. And I find it really interesting now, like looking at Cheers, being like, oh, B.B. Newworth and Kelsey Grammer were like the only ones, I think, to do Broadway musicals. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know Broadway enough, but, like, come on, Shelley Long should have been doing some plays and shit, right? She should have been. Maybe. I don't know I if don't she know. did. I don't know. But, like, in terms um, of musicals, though, like, oh, they're the ones who are actually trained and have good voices, and... That is what I... I miss the days when sitcoms were just nothing but triple threats. Nothing <sighs> but people that could sing, dance, and act. That's all. Like, just give it... Uh, I think I talked about this in the Odd Couple episode from last week, where I was like, yeah, Jack Klugman can sing and dance. And just if you're just watching Oscar Madison, you're not going to think that. But you've watched, I watched him on Carol Burnett's show, and it's like, yeah, he was doing song and dance numbers on that. It's like, Well, it's like anyone who only knows Jerry Orbach from yeah. Law & Order. Oh, no, no, no. Lumiere, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you watch uh, the Beauty and the Beast um performance of Be Our Guest at the Oscars, they do it double time, just for time, and it's like 60-whatever-year-old Jerry Orbach fucking bringing it. Oh, I need to watch that. Holy yes. shit. I, uh, I watched the Howard documentary on Disney+, and they go, they have footage from the day that they recorded 
a lot of the songs. Like, I think Be Our Guest, because it's Jerry Orbach and Andrew Lansbury. Uh-huh. Around a microphone, just singing. And it's just like, this is wild. I, uh, <laughs> I have a real quick Angel Lansbury Beauty and the Beast. You, yeah. And... Anecdote, anecdote um, where I guess she didn't want to do the singing parts for Mrs. Potts. And she's like, I'm oh. too old. I'm too old. Like, no, no, no. And she was like embarrassed. And, like, I don't understand your Angela Lansbury. <laughs> and like, and, and it's also great to know like gods and goddesses also have insecurities. So like, well, let's just do <laughs> one take of the song Beauty and the Beast just so we oh. can animate it. And she and she did in one take, and that's the take they use. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, Angela, one take. Lansbury. Lansbury. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why every episode of Murder She Wrote only took forty minutes to shoot. Yeah, she just, <laughs> she like, just they just off. followed her around like that was yeah. it. <laughs> um, uh, Lilith uh, explains she psychoanalyzes Fraser real quick and is like, <laughs> ah, this makes sense. Be because his parents had a bunch of Broadway cast recordings and played them loudly to cover up the sound of their lovemaking. (laughs) (laughs) And she says it so in that Lilith way where it's like, yeah, uh uh-huh. But I mean, the best Lilith moment comes like a minute later. uh, When... Which one is that? um, Is it Sam who's talking to her? And then she's like, I'm going to say what I tell all my patients what do you think yeah people pay you for that what do you think and i was like oh That's and then thinking of therapy i'm like it's a very good question oh yeah no hey get me going i'll that's she's that's how i am this is where i wrote down the woody's woody's sweater is this oh, it looks yes. like a leftover christmas sweater it's like it's, it's these like Green, it's like snails? maroon, green, nothing like triangles, like gold, like triangles I, in like a weird pattern. And it was all like, I don't understand it. Yeah, it was truly nuts, uh, which I just noted that I can't remember what he was talking about. Oh, and this is when Sam, he's, Sam is trying to get everyone to go check on Rebecca because she's been missing for two days, uh, theoretically on a bender. And um, also that means Fraser has been on a two day bender of singing karaoke. All the standards, all the standards. Great. <laughs> Sam asks uh, Carla to go. She's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go. You can take the kids to Smurfs on Ice. He's like, cool, I'm going. <laughs> like, yeah. I saw something on Ice when I was a kid. It might have been Sesame Street on Ice. I can't remember, but I did see something on Ice. I saw Sesame Street on Ice. Uh, or it might have been Disney on Ice. I don't know. Maybe I'm having like, weird recollections of like dopey on Ice Skates. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so then we get... The final scene of the episode, which is a uh, which third is, of the episode, Sam goes to Rebecca's apartment. He knocks on the door. Uh, she opens it. It is pitch black. It is dark. She is drunk. And it is uh, it is a mess. <laughs> I, so in order to get her to turn on the lamp, he turns on the light. She turns it off. He turns it on again. She turns it off. And then he just says, click. Click. And then she turns, she turns it on. It on. Which is like, that's like something from the 50s. It's just like vaudeville in oh, like it's nature. Just, it's wonderful. Something so great about watching. I also think the problem with multicam sitcoms that are not written well now is that they are not performed. The characters are always doing that Nickelodeon Disney Channel mugging to the camera. Like, like, like. If that joke had been in um, 
I don't know, what's a, a, a current Netflix, um, Mr. Iglesias or uh, a family reunion or a Fuller House. Like, it would have been click and then the lights would have come on and then Sam would have been standing there with like his like, arms oh, crossed. Yeah. And like, he would have like rolled his eyes. And instead, like, I feel like you could give this exact script to a cast of a current show that are going for that style. That, and they like, would ruin it. And it, yeah, it would not be no good, Nick. That's a one. Oh yeah, it, it makes me upset. Um, I also it's also crazy in 2020 just to see anyone drinking and smoking at the same time on television because yeah. we don't see smoking is persona non grata on TV. I also find it fascinating. Like in her mess, she has like empty champagne bottles, and then she has multiple not champagne flutes, but the other kind of glass. But like hmm. there's like three of them. On her coffee table, I'm like, why did you need a new glass? <laughs> Just refill. <laughs> oh, when you're drunk, you know. Also, I'm now realizing this is before the days of, uh, you know, shipped or oh, yeah. um, Peapot or I'm trying to think of all the different grocery services we use or TaskRabbit or whatever. Like, was she hobbling down to like the bodega on the corner to buy champagne and coming? Or did she just, was she like... I'm now picturing like did Rebecca plan an elaborate New Year's party that never did, like no one happened. never she happened had, like, or no one came to because this is there. January it's January 21st so I'm like I don't know I'm trying to like no prize fanfic this I love also in like the dishevelment of her apartment both uh, lamps on the end table of her couch the shades are tilted like. Like, of course, like, yeah. when you get drunk, you knock lampshades, you make them askew. <laughs> I need this to be tilted. I also commented that Rebecca's hairography in this section of just, like, the hair and, like, the hand, like, her hair is next level. It's just... Her hair is the star of the show. I don't know. Her hair might be the most performance. I was focusing on it a lot, and I thought I shouldn't be focused. Like, what am but I like, doing? But it's it just is, like it's a force of nature. It like the way that it falls. Like it. I honestly wonder if if Chrissy didn't have that. Is that hair most of the performance that makes Rebecca seem like a strong? Like it's such a strong. Like it, it, it's 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 take charge hair. Well, like <laughs> I I have big curly hair yeah. and i thought like if i didn't have my hair would i be who i am <laughs> like oh hey yeah the like, becomes, like I'm having now where i'm like am i me if i can't go to the mall or go to the beach <laughs> like this is the that's what quarantine is doing who, who am i well it feels like um the end of buffy season two where Angel is like, he's got her on the Angelus is their corner, and he's like, no friends, no family, no hope. Take that away. What's left? And then he like tries to like he lunges, and she catches the sword between her hands, and she says, "Me." And then they fight, and it's great. But I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, no Panera bread, <laughs> no <Nothing>. Subway, <laughs> no no shopping. No what's friends. Left? Yeah, it's like what's left. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know yet. Yeah. So her hair is a force of nature. Uh, she has total cold, total cold feet because she's finally realizing what we as viewers have realized from the jump is like, first of all, he's rich, but he ain't rich anymore because he went to jail. Yeah. Like, like he well, don't got the money. Well, what's keeping uh, you with this guy? 
Yeah. Besides his dashing good looks. Yeah. I always remembered him as uh, from Robin Hood Men in Tights was my primary. Yeah, I mean, that was that was big. Yeah. Also, I remember him as the substitute teacher on one episode of My So-Called Life. Oh, that's concurrent to this. Oh, it's a couple years after this. It was like ninety. It's like ninety four. I think ninety. Yeah, ninety four, ninety five is. Yeah, that was way around. Yeah. Um, This is where I noted that. So Sam and Rebecca have a fundamentally different energy, and it plays out in this too because, like, Rebecca has this whole like I just realized I just thought about she has this drunken speech of I just thought about this you know moment where I just felt the most like earth shattering valid like you know just like pouring her soul and then Sam just puts her hand puts his hand on her and is like yeah I know like yeah when we had sex it was gonna she's like the when I won first prize at a horse show was like the most electrifying moment of her life and that the way that the show is using this scene to contrast to kind of um point out the fact that like yeah it was kind of stupid that we tried to put them together at one point because they're pointing out like right here that Sam's like yeah when we hooked up that's the most exciting thing she's like absolutely not <laughs> which is like it feels validating as an audience member like we're yeah. like, oh good like you knew it too like you were you weren't fucking this up we we all knew like it just kind of it, it yeah. justifies everything that they happens. have such good friend energy that every single time sam tries to even casually hook up with her it does feel off he has more chemistry he has more like romantic chemistry with that girl that he brushes off at the jukebox like i buy yeah. them together i don't buy for some reason and it is weird because they are both two charismatic performers but there's just something about their energy that never felt sexy or like one true pairing Never. And then, like, there were, like, really uncomfortable moments when it just felt like, you guys aren't listening to each other. It, it feels like, hey, someone said no. No means no. Yeah, and when that happens in this, we're like, she just keeps... So, oh, they do find the lamp wine. He pulls out, like, what, does it pull that champagne bottle out of a lamp or something? Well, I know he finds the two empties behind a couch yeah. cushion. I don't. And she like pull. She says she pulls one out of somewhere. She's like, "Well, I don't need this anymore if I'm not going to drink." And she yeah, pulls it right. out. Of, I thought it was a lampshade. It's <laughs> like that's wild. Um, but she still wants to party because she wants Sam to drop his pants, and she yeah. immediately just starts coming after and, him. Like, there's no subtlety there. Like she, oh, she no. basically says, "Like take your clothes off." <laughs> yeah, I want to do this, and and it's really great. Sam has a good moment where he's like, "Listen, a gentleman." You know, I, you know, we have, I have my rules, like you've been drinking. I, you know, this is not right. And like, it's one of the few episodes where he says, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, he gets, (laughs) Sam's performance in this scene is very, very, Ted Danson's fucking great. And he's so like, I'm a recovering alcoholic. You know, it did so much to my life. Like he, he's honestly like there to be like, hey, Rebecca, please like chillax with this. Things are scary. the least cartoon version of himself. Yeah. So that when it comes to this moment where she's really throwing himself at him and he's like, listen, you know, I have, it's not right. Like you've been you've drinking. Been drinking. And then he's like, and also you're kind of repulsive right now. Uh, and then it cuts to her and she looks like one of those cartoon characters that has like 20 cigarettes in their yeah, mouth. She and she only has one, but she does that like it's just dangling yeah 
where it where like the way like her dignity is dangling by a thread like that cigarette and and then and she, they just leave it on her the camera and it's oh well and then she has the one up where she's just like can't take it and then she like it's so good yeah and then she like she gets him against the wall she even like tries to put her like leg up to like pin him and then she like is like i'm going for it and then she just falls right into him yeah, and then like, and that's the end of the episode where she. I honestly, I I was prepared for another act. Like, I did not expect that blackout. Like, I thought we we're gonna. I didn't remember this episode ending that way, and I was like, oh wow, like that's. Yeah, no, it, it surprised just, me too. It felt like they go back to the bar and then back to them. Uh, but it was like, nope. The ending is she passes out. Yeah, what's up with the jukebox? Do we find out we next never episode? Know. Oh God! <laughs> the next episode we do will be like when the jukebox is featured. I need to know the jukebox dangling thread. I have to know. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for some must-have facts about this episode? Yes. Whoa! Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So... 32.3 million people watched this episode of television. Wow, TV was so different back then. 32.3 million people watching Cheers. Like, just, uh, just take me back. Um, So for the week, this was the number three uh, show for the week. Okay. Only, be- only because number five was Murphy Brown, four was Roseanne, three was Cheers, Two was the Super Bowl post game, and number one was the Super Bowl. So, well, otherwise, yeah, Cheers was the number one scripted show on television this week, mm-hmm. and maybe even that entire season. I uh, wouldn't be surprised. It was like it, it, it was like it really just kept going up mm-hmm. all its entire run. They could have gone a twelfth season, I think. Like the, the ratings were not. Tired of it. Yeah, eleven I think years. They made offers too, and the cast was like. <laughs> No, I can't. <laughs> We've done. Uh, and so the NBC Thursday night lineup in 1991 was The Cosby Show, A Different World, Cheers, Wings, and L.A. Law. Oh, my wings. <laughs> yeah, this is, like, I think, Wings season two, I think. I was going to say, um, it must have been the beginning. I love, so I read that Top of the Rock book, the, like, oral history of, like, must-see TV. And the way that they shade wings is so funny. Like they kept like they they basically treat it as a Cheers knockoff. Well, they're like it's Cheers in an airport. Like that's like that's 
it's always spoken of derisively. No one liked it. Uh, <laughs> and so it's just, it's funny. I don't know. I liked Cheers a lot. I liked Wings a lot when I was a kid. I've still not done Wings on this podcast. I don't, like, I remember watching Wings. I don't remember it. Uh, the biggest thing I remember about, about Wings was maybe 10 years ago, uh, late night TV writer Eliza Skinner made a, I think a Facebook update, not even Twitter, where she said, oops, just watched an episode of Wings. I think I'm barren now. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that show is like filled with Sam and Diane's because both the brothers, both the Haskell. Oh, God, was there? Oh, geez. I can't remember what. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going to I have to look. Uh, Wings Wikipedia. (laughs) I need to know what their names are. I'm, I'm going to blame this on the drinks uh, that I've had that's making me forget what the name... Joe Hackett! The Hackett! The Hackett brothers were always... They had so many will-they-want-they's going on. Um, with the uh, the Chapel sisters, I do believe. Okay. Anyway, I uh, I did like... I did like Wings. I should do Wings at some point. On Have you rewatched show. any of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, like, it's so... They have some good. They have a couple good gay episodes. Um, when oh. uh, Roy, Roy, Roy's son, played by Abraham Ben Ruby, uh, comes out to him because he's like a big football player, and he comes out and he's like, "Yeah, I'm also gay and like the cello, so please don't hate me, Dad." Uh, and it's a really good episode, and it's great because it, if I remember it correctly, it doesn't end with them solving the problem. It ends with like Roy gets to the point where like. He doesn't hate his son, but it's like bare minimum. Like no, like he doesn't come around to understand. Like it's more realistic than you would. I would give Wings credit for in any other episode, probably. Okay. I don't know. Um, so it's good. Uh, I mean, it is a you know murderer's row of. Ta- I mean, Tim Daly, Stephen Weber, Crystal Bernard. I'm li- I'm just reading the uh, <laughs> the cast: Thomas Hayden Church, Tony Shalhoub. Thomas Amy Hayden Yesb- Church. I forgot. Yeah, lol. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, I should do it at some point. But yeah, it was part of that NBC Thursday Night lineup. There is an aesthetic to 1991, like watching late Cheers. I don't know. There's something, I guess also because I remember this time I was, you know, seven, I guess. Uh, how, how does age work? I have a nostalgia <laughs> for this aesthetic of like those, like this all pings things in my brain that, even though I didn't watch this episode when it aired, like knowing, seeing the clothes, seeing the everything. Like watching, I'm like, I, I didn't have to look it up. I know exactly what year this is. Yeah, it, it feels very like uh, home, and it's why I want to go. I just let's go back into yeah. Uh, this one, Kirstie Alley, her only Emmy ever. It was her third nomination for Cheers, and she was nominated in overall five times for Cheers. Okay, I mean, if this is going to win her the Emmy, then. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She, she has really good, really good drunk acting. In general, you know, she's really good at playing this character that is kind of a minefield of a character. But hey, she gung ho. Uh, <laughs> um, I also love a Cheers when it's like there are more women on the cast. You know, we have three: Lilith, Carla, and I mean, Rebecca, who are all so awesome. different, and they kill it all in their respective yeah. field. Yeah. So good. Oh, My only Lilith. complaint is, why is there not a Carla Funko Pop yet? 
I have the other five. Oh, I, but not Carla. They haven't made Carla, and Carla looks like a Funko Pop. Already. <laughs> How do you not you do that? Need, you don't need to do much altering. No, her proportions are already of a Funko. Yeah. Um, way more than, like, honestly, like, no shade, to Di- no shade to Diane, but she's way more instantly recognizable, Carla is, as a Funko Pop than Diane, who just yeah. looks like blonde lady with an apron on, uh, holding yeah. a beer glass. Um, so, <laughs> come on, Funko, get on it. Uh, on, on IMDb, 253 users rated this episode an 8.2 out of 10. Which is the highest of the season. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh my, I don't know if that's accurate. I look like, when is, uh, is of, the, of no. the IMDb audience reviews. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying I don't know if that's accurate IMDb audience. I believe that, I don't know if I trust their judgment on that. Is this the best episode of the season? When is Old Fashioned Wedding? Is that season 10? That's season that's 10. That's season 10. Yeah, that's I mean, that, that's, uh, that is a farce. That's a that's like oh, noises so off level. So good. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I will do that episode at some point, cause, but that's like a special, like, this is a two-parter of just like... Oh boy! If I in a dream world where I do live must have seen TVs, that would be a great one to do live because oh, it is be a very so much a, it's very much a live vibe. Um, Can you imagine live events where people <laughs> gather? No, uh, we're in hell. Um, so yeah. I, I would, I would, but okay, I, I am shading it that it's like this can't be the best episode of the season. But I'm also like, I would give this a nine, probably. <laughs> like, I would probably go higher. Like, really, Kirstie it's just like her and all her neurotic glory. Yeah. And the fact that every single character gets a really good laugh line in this episode, in an episode that is a Rebecca episode, Lilith, I mean, who's your must-see performer of this episode? I think mine's B.B. Newworth. <laughs> I mean, she's just so... Oh, the thing is, like, that... I'm always gonna be B.B. leaning. And <laughs> she, like... I just love... Lilith. She's just... Ugh. Yeah. She is great. I... There is also something different about... Uh... Like, watching Frasier on Frasier on Frasier on Cheers, I love Frasier on Cheers so much. But when they, when, when a character becomes the nucleus of a show, they, they have to, like, you know, change and grow and, like, yeah. the focus of the comedy. And so, like, he becomes not as... He's still fun, but he's not as fun. And I do wonder, like, what if they had spun it off and it was Kelsey Grammer and B.B. Newworth, like, if it was the two of them, like, would that, what would that have done? I mean, it would just characters? be, like, the Lilith show. Like, like I feel like, I don't know. It's a different, different timeline. Because Lilith still pops up on Frasier a bunch, and she's great. I mean, I love every time she, I also think that she brings out the best in Frasier also. Mm-hmm. I think that she, like Frazier is great on Cheers because he is the um, voice of reason. He's the one that is like reacting to and the insanity, else is, like wacky, and then yeah. Lilith brings him down even like to reality. While he's and on, on, on Frazier, <laughs> they have to amp up his like he's more of the weird one, even though like it, it doesn't. I don't know. It's a different. It's a different character. It's the same character but different. But you know what? We all code shift in our day to day. I'm a different person with my family than I am with my friends. It's true. It's true. I'm different when I'm in Seattle than when I'm in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Portland and I've been to Boston. I've never been to Seattle. Okay. Um, Actually, oh, I haven't well. been to Seattle, but I imagine I would be different than when I'm in Boston. I was only in Boston once. So. 
Oh, I've been uh, three times, I think. We all got rowdy because of their very uh, stringent, um, like, uh, lights out uh, last call laws. Like, they closed bars early there. I don't know if it's changed. Like, midnight or something is last call? That's early. It's, it's a weird thing where the public transit stops running like an hour before bars close or something. Well, like, that's it's just a not weird. Practical. Yeah, it's a weird. It was a. But this is also um, 10 years ago. Oh, God. No, like 14 years ago. Okay, when I was so you going, don't even oh, know. I started going to bars in college in New York and then. I remember visiting friends and going out to a bar in California and I was, I just did, I didn't even know. I didn't even stop because I was a dumb early 20 year old, maybe teenager. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know that. Why would, why would any bar close before 4am? So when last <laughs> call came at like one thirty, I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, Oh, actually, that's that's more normal. Yeah, New York is falling. We are the dr- the drunkiest drunk town. That really that is insane. Oh now, no! Now now, I, now that I am thirty six, I'm yes. like now that I'm oh, not twenty. I was closing out McManus at four a.m. Like, when I was twenty three. Like, like what? I worry for my safety. Like it's yeah, so I was wild. Like, what was I doing? I was. What also? The fact that it would be like 1 a.m. and you're like, cool, yeah, so we're going to this other place, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like you're still like mobile and going places at 1, 2 like, a.m. The, the like, idea of staying out at a bar till 10 is like exhausting oh, no. to even oh, I mean, think about now. Not that now any, there, there's nowhere to go anyway, though, but you know, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so must no. other people see this episode of television? Yes. A hundred percent, especially if you haven't watched Cheers in a while and mm-hmm. you you feel that you've calcified in your opinions over the Sam or the Diane and Rebecca years. I mean, Sam, you should just have the same opinion of all the time. He's a fucking don't call box that that will never change. Uh, but yeah, I think it really highlights everything good about the back half of the whole series just laugh a minute really fast paced so many good jokes so many good jokes that you've never heard before too like and even like uh joke structures like they're not even relying on the kind of sitcom joke structures that you still hear in shows today and we're hearing at that time like the whole lilith thing is like where did this come from cliff's mylar balloon tangent is like it's it's totally there's this old adage about like in friends season one when they were in the writer's room and they would pitch jokes someone like it would there was a rule of like if anyone had ever heard that mm-hmm. joke before then they, they would say or if no. like, someone did a setup and then both people came up with the same joke it was like nope no and yeah. like i think that they really i think that's a hard limitation to work within but they got so good at working that muscle that they can have jokes about Mylar balloons that go nowhere else. But the characters are so lived in and they know them so well and the audience knows them so well. Or even if you drop in, they have they it's presented with so much confidence 
that you accept it. You're like, yeah, sure, of course. I haven't shown you. You said the audience knows them so well, and I forgot to show you that I bought. So in the in the early 90s, when you would go to see Cheers, I think was what I understand from the eBay listing, when you would go to it, be in a Cheers studio audience, everyone got a Cheers tote bag and wristwatch. And so I bought a Cheers tote bag and wristwatch um, from, you know, 91, 92, uh-huh. maybe this season even. Uh, it's a navy blue, like, it's a satchel. Like, it's like, it's like it zippers and buckles. Like, it's like a nice like a thing. It has the Cheers. Bag? Yeah, it has like the Cheers logo on it in red. And I think it has red piping. And then the watch is like a nice black watch. And it has like a white face with the Cheers logo on it. And I'm like, oh. great. Right. You're Bought them, sad. nowhere to wear them to, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, everyone should see this episode for that exact reason. Honestly, if you just want just a nice feeling of, I mean, where everybody knows your name, honestly. Like, where, it just like, feels like everyone's in the same going home. crowded bar and they don't have a care in the world. It's just, it's, it's so comforting i mean i i will say until my dying day that my dream job is being a, a, a staff writer on cheers for 11 and seasons you like, sent me a link to those that's, parties with the writers and i mean it's, all I, uh, you it's would, my dream job it's why i have mostly given up on my uh hope of writing for television because i'm like what is even the era. point because i want to work on a show where production starts in august and runs through like April and you're doing 24 episodes a week or that 24 episodes a season. Now. And I want, because like what you get with cheers is you get this, you get no cast on no Netflix show will ever be able to be as tightly knit and like as efficient and worn in and lived in. And like, as this, they, it, I, get, I imagine it was like college, like where you're just around each other all the time. They were always playing sports ditching mm-hmm. work to do shrooms on a boat like yeah you know they they like were like bonded and yeah, that's it's ugh. and that's what i want like i had that you know doing ucb and doing like mod night doing a sketch group like my thunder gulch my sketch group we were together for three years and we still have an email chain we were broken up in 2012 like we were broken up eight years ago and we still you know they did a sketch at my wedding like we and we weren't around each, each other 24 7 but like we were you know when you are working that in tandem with a big group of people i love that feeling i love that teamwork and cheers has that teamwork yeah and i need a time machine like, so i can go it, back in time it's like that feeling like oh we all went to camp together yeah like and we all oh. had fun and we did work but it didn't feel like work and then we produced these amazing things just from the joy of being around each other, which, <sighs> oh, what a dream. Yeah. And it doesn't exist anymore because television is in a bizarre state and no show can go past 30 episodes in three seasons. <laughs> yeah. And, um, oh, like, and I feel like that's like a British thing that's come over. And it's not even, and it's more because of, so the British did it by choice. So like, that was a weird choice that they, not weird. It was like a fully different choice that they decided a long time ago. I think it was because uh, Faulty Towers did uh, two seasons and then everyone, and that was such a major hit. Everyone was like, oh, we're going to do two seasons. And then then I guess like in the like late nineties, early two thousands, I read some article where, 
like Americans wish they could be more British and Brits wish they could be more American and have the chance to expand shows. Now we have this uh, hodgepodge where like shows are same thing with like comic books. It's all the same. Like shows are announced as like with the we as Americans still have the understanding of like cool, great, I love this show. I'm going to be with it for seven years, five to seven years. Like, that is the, still the understanding that people our age, maybe a little bit younger, probably not little kids, um, they have that. And so when people get so bent out of shape when it's like, you know, this show is getting canceled after three, like, Glow is ending after four seasons, and, like, you know, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is ending after three seasons, or things, and people get so mad, and it's because all of those decisions are f- are fueled by algorithms like netflix does everything via algorithm it's all like you have to watch it all as fast as possible oh so it isn't even like an artistic choice anymore it is this uh first of all like no one watches network tv so the shows that could go don't uh and then it's it just is so well also television uh, used to be and i think like the last show that's happened for was game of thrones where everyone watched it and then you waited to talk about it and like now it's like you know you go online to talk about it but it used to be like you go to work and then you like go to the water cooler and talk about that episode at tv or like for me it was like high school and then it was like did everyone watch dawson's creek i don't (laughs) like it but like the the netflix model has completely it's it's ruined television people the whole season all at once bullshit was like so cool at first um, but it has completely squandered cultural penetration and uh, culture of you're excited about a thing. Like, and it changes Watchmen. the pacing of a yeah. season. Watchmen was exciting because it was, what, nine episodes that were released weekly. And every single week, you got a week of analysis. And did you see this? Holy shit. Like, it was so yeah. much fun. Whereas, like, Umbrella Academy Season 2 came out two weeks ago and it's a great season i love watching all of it it's like a month ago now that's insane but everyone talked about it for two days and now no one is talking about it and then that is it yeah because it's like oh you watch it all and like you can't talk about episode by episode if people are watching in five episode chunks it is um it's a real uh splintering of the viewership and community and the fun of talking. That's honestly why Drag Race is so much fun and why I love it so much is because it is a weekly event that has been going on since February of this year because they just keep on doing new spinoffs and series and I'm fine with it because what the hell else am I doing? But um, I I miss those days. I miss those days of, you know, Cheers being the thing that came on every week and you were like invested and like it was just hanging out with your friends every week instead of once every 14 months, you get to hang out with them for 10 hours and then you're and done then, for another year. And then forget about it. And now also with these seasons, like, you know, you binge watch everything in a week. And then a year and a half later, it comes back and you're like, what happened? What the fuck even happened? Like, I'm, I'm supposed to care about this. It's it's um, it is bad. And I <laughs> hope that something I hope something uh, changes. I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, there are uh, bigger things in the world need to change first, and then we'll just figure out what's going well, on. Like, with are we going to run out of new TV soon? Yeah. Well, um, Netflix has said over and over again that they have enough content banked for you know the next six, seven, eight months, like a while. 
Okay. Uh, and uh, I don't know what else. I mean, yeah, no, but we are like, whatever, like, even if they have it banked, we're still going to be hit. We're eventually we're going to hit a drought because of the last five months. Like, yeah, it, it might be gangbusters for a while. But then if we get back up and running, then we might have three <laughs> or four months of like scarce shit. Yeah, there's just so. going to be a lull, which is. But that's why everyone should um just revisit the classics revisit uh the odd couple's great cheers is great uh lucy show's real fun i'm having fun with that uh <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah, like, yeah like my roommate match feek was saying oh we're gonna run out of tv what are we gonna do i'm like what about all the things we've been meaning to watch that keep getting knocked down like also our yeah yeah, I keep okay. wanting to do the thing of I keep wanting to make an old school style TV schedule for myself. Like program oh, like, on my, Thursdays, like, you're gonna like watch every single school. week, like program here are four sitcoms and a drama that I want to watch every, you know, week, weekly of like new stuff, old stuff, just things. Cause there's so many things. The job I have, I watch the first and second episode of a ton of shows and then I don't finish anything yeah. <laughs> even if i like them a lot i watched the first two episodes of picard and then Gosh. didn't have time i still have not finished season two of star trek discovery even though i love that show uh i still have not finished a season and a half of mazel and i love marvelism as mazel like it's just it, like, there's just so too saturated. much like, i can't get um but i also you know i have my database where i've reconstructed all the tv lineups for the past like 50 years of about 20 different shows where i've organized them all by air date so i know I can just watch things in air date order, which I've been doing, but been watching a lot of Genie lately for this book. But anyway, thanks so much for coming on to talk about Cheers. It and is an honor venting. and a joy and a, just a slight joy in this uh, unmitigated nightmare that we're all living in. Yeah. Where can people find you online to talk about Cheers? I'm at someone in a tree on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I don't have any new projects coming up because... <laughs> Uh, all of my creativity is in a coma, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming out of it. This COVID-induced creativity coma. Uh, but yeah, if you want to follow me for good horn dog for Ted Danson content, I'm your gal. Get into it. Woo! <laughs> and that does it for this episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Angela Demanti, for dropping by and talking about Cheers with me. Next time I'll be discussing something. I don't know what just yet. So you know what? You're just going to have to wait and find out. Those are the rules we play in in quarantine. Until then, I want to hear from all of you. Follow Must Have Seen TV on Twitter and Instagram. And let's talk about sitcoms. Apologies if I don't respond right away because it's a lot of accounts to check and honestly i'm a one-man operation and i'm just trying to do my best thanks to all for understanding <laughs> and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at, at brett white you can read the words that are right decider.com rate and review the show in apple podcasts please it would help a lot thanks to acast for hosting the podcast thanks to y'all for listening i'm gonna see y'all next time on must have seen tv d d d 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.